Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 494 of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Adam joined by Jill. Jill, how's it going? Good. How are you? Well, I shouldn't say good. That's yeah. like my... <laughs> I know it's like, I'm like my default automatic answer. And then I'm like, wait, it's the Wednesday after the election when we're recording this. Yeah. These are not really good. Yeah. I mean, we're not like people know where we stand politically, but we're not a political podcast. But just so right. everyone knows, we're recording this at 930 on Wednesday morning. Um, Jill, we were just talking about Jill went to sleep much earlier than I did. I got like four hours of sleep last night. But we're not going to talk about that stuff because A, we don't know anything right now. And B, we won't. It won't matter by the time you hear this on Thursday or beyond. So um, instead, we're just going to talk about like a book or two that each of us have been reading. And then um, because it's November, Jill has done NaNoWriMo and is currently doing NaNoWriMo. So if people out there are doing it as well, I thought it'd be fun. You could like walk them through your process and any tips and, and things that that you've been doing just because, mm-hmm. you know, it's something to talk about and it's it November. Is. It is um so we'll put all the notes or everything in the show notes um like any book we talk about but also just want to remind people the top uh so we have a couple of live events coming up that you can register for i'll put the links in our show notes for those as well um in a week on november 10th we will be doing a big library read event with ryan lasala who's the author of reverie um is it's gonna be fun it is gonna uh, be fun the three of us jill ryan and i had a, a planning meeting earlier this week um we're planning gonna makes a, it sound far more organized than it actually was it was really just the three of us <laughs> just being like what do we want to talk about <laughs> that's so true um yeah we we're gonna have a really good time it'll be really fun so you can register for that um also if you are partaking in big library read you go to biglibrary.com, there's a discussion board there. So if you want to ask some questions uh, ahead of time, we'll take some of those that we will ask Ryan. Um, it's going to be really, really fun. And then um, in a much different tone, but really, really important, on Monday, November 16th at 12 p.m. Eastern time, we're going to do a special social justice conversation with Leila Epsad. Um, she's the author of Me and White Supremacy. This is the only like kind of, promotional thing she's doing uh for the rest of the year about mean white supremacy so we're really fortunate that she wanted to join us with that so uh we'll have a conversation just about you know racial equality and honestly we'll probably talk about stuff like the election and the voter turnout and everything going on in the country but um again you can register for that as well and you can there's a link in the registration again it's all in the show notes but there's a link in the registration for the layla one that you can submit questions to us ahead of time as well um just full disclosure, she's done some events where uh, there has been like some racist trolls and people who weren't super great. So we're going to have um, the chat and everything just kind of on, on lockdown for that one so that we don't have to worry about any of that. Not concerned with our listeners. You're all awesome. But just, you know, so you know, if you want to ask questions to Layla, um, you'll want to do that ahead of time. So those will all be in the show notes. Uh, and then in December, the very beginning of December, we're going to do it with Marie Benedict, who is one of our most favorite people. And she wrote a book about Agatha Christie, but we'll talk more about that. Yeah, she did. Closer. Um, no, we, like y'all, when you find out more about this, like our timing for this particular thing, event with Marie Benedict was very intentional and uh, I'm very excited for it. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be so fun. And for people who have listened for a while, Marie is just, 
so much fun. she is definitely one of those people where when we interview some people we ask like we have a lot of questions prepared and then sometimes we just don't Marie's one of them like we could ask her one question and then she could just talk for like 40 mm-hmm. minutes so it'll be right. really fun yeah I'm, like, that would be I'm fun. excited yeah um okay so if you want to get a hold of us you can go to professionalbooknerds.com you can find us on twitter and instagram at probooknerds you can email us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com you can ask us for some book recommendations and things like that take a quick break talk about today's sponsor Uh, the stress of daily life weighs on all of us you know whether you're an elite athlete or just a regular person trying to get through the day you know muscle pain and muscle tension is a real thing and that's why i use theragun the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tensions using a scientifically calibrated combination of depth speed and power and now it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush That's because the all-new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor that's so quiet you're going to wonder if it's even on. And it's going to be soothing your aching muscles with Theragun's signature power, amplitude, and effectiveness. I've actually been using Theragun for a long time, uh, much longer than when they came on as a sponsor uh, for a variety of reasons. One, I'm a distance runner. I ran my first marathon earlier this year, and I usually run like 20 to 30 miles a week. And I got a Theragun a few years ago back at a half marathon I was running. And I got it because I wanted to, you know, really work on the sore muscles that would occur in my legs after these long runs, you know, whether it's like my thighs or my calves or my quads. Um, And it works great for all of those things. But what I've discovered uh, over this year as we've been, you know, working from home is I sit in a chair that is definitely not designed to be sat in for eight to 10 hours. So I've been using it on my, you know, back pain and just, you know, my shoulders, I carry a lot of tension up in my shoulders. I've been using the Theragun uh, basically to relieve not only the stress and soreness that I get from running, I've also been just using it for those daily aches and pains that sitting in a chair that is not designed for this much daily use is, uh, is you know, is causing me. So I just love Theragun and I'm so excited for you guys to try Theragun for 30 days and there's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, a personalized Theragun app, and it's the quiet and power that you need. Uh, So starting at only $199, if you go to theragun.com slash PBN right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash PBN. Theragun.com slash PBN. Uh, do you want to talk about NaNoWriMo or do you want to talk about a book or two that you've enjoyed first? How about we talk book, then nano, then books? Book, nano, books. Okay. I'll let, I'll let you start if you would like. Okay. So the first one I'm going to talk about um, is Spoiler Alert by Olivia Dade, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> this book is amazing. Um, so imagine if one of the actors from Game of Thrones, who was very unhappy with the final season, like, why would they be unhappy? But let's pretend that one of the actors from Game of Thrones is very with the storyline for their character on Game of Thrones in the final season. And so they take that frustration out by writing fix-it fan fiction, where they basically, like, ship their own character, but write fan fiction that takes it in a different direction and sort of does what they would have hoped the TV show does. So are you with me? 
For full disclosure, Olivia Data is a huge Game of Thrones fan. Her book spoiler alert is somewhat of a Jamie Bren thing. So, like, imagine if, um, uh, uh, yeah, Jamie Lannister was writing fan fiction about Game of Thrones because he didn't like the way Jamie Lannister was handled on the show. Obviously, that's not his real name, but I forget how to pronounce it right now, and I don't want to make it <laughs> myself. Okay. So, so he's writing fan fiction under a name that nobody knows because if the producers of the show, um, which is actually about, um, in the book, the show is about Greek gods. In the show, the showrunners would basically like sue him if they find out he's writing this fan fiction. So on the flip side, we have a fan of the show who also is writing fan fiction. Um, and she does cosplay and all sorts of cool stuff. And then... Um, her name's April and April uh, is plus size. And she does a cosplay thing that she puts on Twitter that goes viral and people, because people are mean and not fun, start making like rude comments. And so the actor from the show ends up on Twitter asking her out and they go out and it seems like a publicity stunt, but they end up actually liking each other. What they don't know and what he discovers on their first date is they're actually like, fan fiction best buddies so <laughs> on their you know like fan fiction uh website or whatever they like chat all the time um as best friends but they don't know he discovers this and doesn't tell her and it's like a whole thing so it's a little bit like it's a little bit like um yeah like game of thrones meets you've got mail that is amazing. It is so good. It is a romance. It's a little steamy. I will tell you that. Um, but oh god, it's just like everything. And it somewhat made me feel better about the end of um Game of Thrones, just because I'm like, yeah, I could actually totally see the actors like writing fan fiction. Something about that is so amazing to me. <laughs> um, and there's like a whole, you know, like con element where there's cosplay and the actors show up and oh god it's delightful so that's spoiler alert by olivia dade uh so one of the ones i want to talk about is one that you actually talked about a couple months ago i think and when you did i immediately put it on my tbr list and it was shit actually by lindy west oh yeah um so for people who might not have heard jill talking about it uh lindy used to be and you and you know more about Lindy West than I do so correct me if I'm like getting any of this wrong but she used to be a film critic before she began writing kind of like memoirs and more like I don't want to say culturally relevant stuff because movies are culturally relevant but like I don't know if film critic is quite the right word for it she would write columns basically where she would go and watch movies she hadn't seen in a while for I can't remember what publication it was like an online, you know, yeah. one of, um, like an online site, like Jezebel or slate or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So she, the, it's called shit actually, because it, it's very much based on like her most popular one, which was her critique of love actually, which is hilarious, which is in uh, shit actually it's, it, you can read it in there, but um, as I believe you mentioned, her like favorite movie, or as she calls it, the greatest movie ever made is The Fugitive. And so she rates all of the movies that she talks about based on one out of 10 DVDs of The Fugitive, which is so funny. So and, good. Um, she goes just like into detail about all of these movies that she either loves or hates. And 
provides you with just a hilarious breakdown of the movies like you, do, you don't have to have seen them to understand what they're about because she explains them in a very very funny way uh and then gives her um her rating for each of them mm-hmm. so um it, it was just like i think i tweeted it out like i had so much fun in a week that i've been insanely stressed out like i listened to the, the, to the audiobook and so i basically had like seven and a half or eight hours of Wendy west making me laugh while i was you know, running and walking the dogs and cooking. Like it was, it's so delightful. She does, um, I think reality bites and Jurassic park. I love the Jurassic park. Chapters. Jurassic park one was good. So yeah. Funny. Um, there's, there's a bunch of them and it's just, oh, it was so soothing. And to hear the way that she talks about stuff is so great. Oh, um, she, she does face off. Oh God, that was mm, yeah. yeah. Her her breakdown of Face Off with Nick Cage and John Travolta is so funny, and she does this thing where she says the word Face Off like every other sentence. She's like, "You're not going to believe it, but they have to face off with one another in a face off for the ages." Um, Also, her she does The Rock with Sean Connery Mm -hmm. and also Nick Cage. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and I highly recommend the audiobook not only because she's hilarious but she does just the best Sean Connery impersonation oh see that would be worth it alone I might tell you that <laughs> yeah it's so funny and like again it's something where you can if you're reading it or listening to it you know you can do it a chapter at a time like just wherever you're at or you yeah. can do what I did which is quite literally binge the whole book in like two sure. sittings because it was an audiobook but um yeah it's it was a nice way to forget about all of these stresses that are I'm experiencing right now so that's shit actually by lindy west um and you want to talk about nano stuff? yeah i will i will say though that we i said something about this before we started recording i don't really watch comedic movies and i don't really read comedic books except for like essays this book literally made me laugh out loud several times to the point yeah. where i had to put it down because i was crying so hard i was laughing so i I definitely was trying to, I was doing the thing where like I was talking to my, my siblings on a text thread and trying to like tell them the jokes that I was listening to, but there, I wasn't giving them context. And I also was only giving them like a paragraph as opposed to like a whole chapter. The whole night, like, yeah. Yeah. And they're like, I don't really get why that's so funny. I was like, I'm telling it wrong. Imagine I'm telling it right. It's yeah. 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 Highly recommend. Highly, um, highly. Good yeah. stuff. Uh, Nano. So, um, for those that don't know, NaNoWriMo stands for National Novel Writing Month. It is an annual event that takes place every November where writers from all over, um, sort of, you know, make a goal of writing 50,000 words between November 1st and November uh, 30th. A true NaNoWriMo writer, or I guess that's not, I don't want to say it that way. Um, so I'm a nano rebel in that the piece I'm working on, I had started before November. So, um, you know, like within the, the guide, not guidelines. Um, a lot of people, if they feel the, to be authentic nano writer, nano rimo, you have to start on November 1st with a brand new story. You have not written anything for yet. There's little flexibility, plus the world's on fire, so whatever, do whatever you want. Uh, <laughs> there, there are no rules. 
there are no rules that's what i say there are no rules um yeah so i um completed nanorimo last year i wrote uh, my fifty thousand words i actually finished a couple days early um and so i'm at it again with a new book a uh, fun story about a month ago i actually signed with a literary agent using the book that i wrote for nano last year so, so awesome. it can happen. happen it yeah. can happen it can happen um you too could possibly you know a year later have an agent um yeah so i um i can't remember if i shared we did nano like i can't remember we talked about this last year i know we talked about nano but yeah briefly. i can't remember if i shared my little like bullet journal bujo page for nano <laughs> And like how I do it. Um, so I obviously keep track of daily word count. Nano will like, you know, you can put it into nano, but I, and they'll show you a chart and stats and graphs and all that stuff. But um, for me, as someone who uses a bullet journal, I also track it there and that works better for me. So high level, um, what I do is I break down you know, so if you average it all out, it's about 1,667 words a day is what you're aiming for to get to 50,000. So I break it down by week and decide where I need to be at the end of the week to stay on track. And so then on, um, and I define it by the end of Saturday. So on Sunday, I go back and like, look and see where I am and, you know, am I on track? And then I have a little calendar where I write down all of my daily word counts and then I have a chart of little tiny squares where each square counts for a hundred words and I color it in <laughs> so that at the end, I have a very pretty graph that's all colored in with different colors. And I can see like, oh, I did not write that many words on that day. Or, oh, I wrote like 6,000 words on this other day, <laughs> which is how I finished early. <laughs> um, yeah. And you do, so for people that like saying you have to write 1,600 words per day, like might sound overwhelming to people, but you do, are you still doing the sprints? Sprints. I do sprints. So, um, yes, I write almost exclusively in sprints. Even when I'm not doing nano, I write in sprints, which means I set a timer, um, for, I do it in 15 minutes. You can do whatever works for you. And I just write and it like shuts my brain off um, somehow magically. And I don't really think about it. The words are terrible because it's a first draft and the words are always terrible in a first draft, but at least I get them out there. Um, I think it's a quote from Shannon Hale who has talked about how nano is about, it's really about like getting sand into the sandbox so you can build castles later. So just like get those words on the page, just like shovel them in, mm -hmm. <laughs> whatever it takes, no matter how terrible, because you can go back and fix it later. Um, yeah, so I write in sprints. Usually I can do it in like three to four 15 minute sprints, so like 45 to 60 minutes. I write before work. Luckily, I'm not going anywhere, so I don't <laughs> have to wake up super early. <laughs> so I write for an hour at my desk and then switch computers to work. <laughs> um, yeah. And so that's how I do it is with sprints. I know other writers who've adopted sprints too. Um, my one, the one thing I always do, which I have found is very helpful because yeah, if you're like, 
1600 words a day. That's a lot, especially if you start to fall behind, that becomes overwhelming. And what I try to do is, um, I don't outline. I maybe know like two or three scenes ahead of where I'm currently working, but because I write romance, there's like an overarching, like I'm well aware of what happens at the end. Um, Mm -hmm. and I, once I hit my word count of the 16, you know, 16, 67, whatever, I, depending on where I am, I might write a little bit more to both add a bit of a buffer and also get myself to a place where I stop in the middle of a really good section or like right before a really good section so that I'm then excited to come back the Mm -hmm. next day. Well, plus you also give yourself like somewhere that you know where you are going to start like wasn't it like Hemingway said he used to like stop literally in the middle of a sentence so like he knew the next day he would have like a a way to kick yourself so you don't like when you sit down in the morning you're not like okay blank screen what was I going to do now correct yes yeah I will usually end at the end of a scene going into one that is right or yes I have stopped in the middle of a scene if it's like right before a section you know, um, mm-hmm. I mean, I could obviously keep writing. There's nothing to stop me from doing that, but yeah. I <laughs> clearly you can write as much as you want on a given mm-hmm. day. But for me, this is what keeps me like, okay with the daily habit. Um, we'll yeah. see if it continues. It's day four. So who knows? Yeah. But I mean, it's day four, but like, I will say you having, you know, having known you now for five years and watching you do this a few times, like I feel like you are more like diligent at this and than most people I know. And I think it is because you have your, like exactly what you said. Like you, we joke around a lot of time about like our reading, like tracking and I have like your, like your spreadsheet and everything. But like I, this I think is a thing where there's two things, like there's two aspects about it. Like one, like you said, like you don't really worry about a big outline of where you're going to go when the actual story, you just kind of go. But at the same time, what you do have outlined is like, a plan for approaching the, like you said, getting the sand in the sandbox. Like yeah. use, yeah. use all of your planning for how you're going to approach the process of writing. Don't use your planning for the story itself. Cause like you yeah. said, it'll change. I mean, some people plan and it, they're fine. You know, like some people mm-hmm. are planners. I'm not a planner. I, I have tried outlining and it never works for me. Yeah. Um, so I have a very high level understanding of what's happening and I have some of the you know sort of beats figured out and so when I sit down it's basically like how am I getting from this beat to this beat Mm -hmm. and then from that beat to the next beat is basically what I do yeah and there's been I mean there's been all sorts of examples of books that kind of like you said have been written during NaNoWriMo that have become very big deals the most famous one is probably this um you know the Night Circus by Erin Morgenstern which I love that every November and I saw her tweet it uh on the first of November this year she was like um yearly reminder that (laughs) the Night Circus was not written in one NaNoWriMo it was written over multiple NaNoWriMo's and and the she said something like the story that I wrote in that first NaNoWriMo was literally she's like I think like one sentence of that was in the actual final book yeah so that happens too. But yeah. exactly. But I think that's like, she's doing exactly what you said. She's putting the sand in the sandbox so that then yep. you can shape it later. So, yep. um, 
so those are those are some tips by Jill and and now we can both talk about another book before I think we both at at 10 have to go to a meeting Indeed. where we're going to be told about our health insurance I think be great fun be stuff great. all right fun you stuff you want to talk yeah. about one more book? Yes. Yeah, so I read um, When No One Is Watching by Alyssa Cole. So I've mentioned Alyssa Cole's romance books before. This is a thriller. It is so good. How do I describe it? Um, so first, Alyssa's Black. Um, and this is sort of like the movie Get Out, but like dealing with gentrification in Brooklyn. Mm. Probably the best way to put it. So... Right. So Sydney is black. She lives in Brooklyn um, in an apartment that she or a townhouse that she grew up in in a black neighborhood. And then all the white people start coming in <laughs> and changing the demographic of the neighborhood and not just sort of changing the demographic, but the older um, black residents start going missing. <laughs> and it sort of discusses gentrification and redlining because there's a corporation that wants to kind of raise part of this this neighborhood and build a big pharmacy or like a hospital or whatever um so it's not really your normal thriller type plot or setting but it's really good it's very timely um and i highly highly recommend it so that is when no one is watching uh, my other one that I'm listening to right now is Miss Benson's Beetle by Rachel Joyce. I think I talked about it. Um, it might have been the preview of November or previously at some point, but um, it's very soothing and very delightful. I've definitely been trying to find books that are just going to make me smile <laughs> just to, you know, kind of have a little bit of stress relief. So um, it's like ni- it's right after it's after World War II. It's like 1950 and our main character, Marjorie, uh, she's a school teacher and a like a spinster she's she's a single older woman living by herself and um she's miserable and decides basically one day she's gonna quit her job and she's gonna go in this expedition into new caledonia which is um in the southeastern part of the world um like near australia new zealand to try and find this golden beetle that was in this book that her dad read to her uh when she was really young um, her, she had four siblings, four brothers growing up and they all died on the same day in the war. And that led to her father committing suicide. So she has no family. And so she just like wants, she doesn't, she's just trying to go on this adventure. And she ends up with this woman who joins her to be her assistant who like couldn't be more different. It's a very odd couple type of a situation. And, but of course they're, as they travel to New Caledonia, like the first half of the book is them traveling there and they realize that you know, how much they need each other and how great they are, their friendship is. And um, it's a mix of like self-discovery and just like this, it's just a really, it's like the ad couple. It's just like mm-hmm. a really fun, all their conversations are like, one of them's talking too much and the other one is like, oh my God, just please shut up. And then as soon as they're separated, the one who was telling her, the one who wouldn't stop talking to shut up, she's like, you know what? I really miss all that, that noise that was going on. So um Enid and Marjorie are the two characters and they just like they make me really really happy and they are delightful and it's exactly what I was hoping it would be I think I mentioned it it was giving me Lillian Box Fish Fish Takes a Walk vibes when I previewed it and it's exactly Mm -hmm. that like it's just delightful it's just like a really good like feel good you know they're trying to find that they're trying to find a beetle but that's really just like the crux of the story to yeah 
for everything else. So uh, that is Miss Benson's Beetle by Rachel Joyce. Really, really good stuff. So, okay. okay. All right. Those are a couple books and Jill's NaNoWriMo tips. Sorry, it was a short one, but we didn't have the brain space to do a big collection. We'll do, we'll do that no. again for you guys next week. Yep. Anything else people should know about? I don't think so. Okay. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Adam Sokol and Jill Grunewald and presented by Overdrive. For more information, visit professionalbooknerds.com. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu.